साइकोलॉजी ऑफ दर्शन माला अत्य दर्शन वर्ष सेवन आत्मा न क्षीरवद्याति रूपातरमतोखिलम विवर्तम इंद्रजालेना विद्यते निर्मित यथा द सेल्फ डज नॉट लाइक मिल्क अटेन टू अनदर फॉर्म देफोर एवरीथिंग एज इन द क्रिएशन बाय इंदिराज मैजिक सीम्स टू बी थ्रू सुपर इम्पोजिशन एंड वर्ड मीनिंग आत्मा द सेल्फ ना डज नॉट क्षीरवत लाइक मिल्क याति अटेन टू रूपांतरम अनदर फॉर्म अतः देफो अखिलम एवरीथिंग यथा निर्मितम एज इन द क्रिएशन इंद्रजालेना बाय इंदिराज मैजिक विद्यते सीम्स टू बी विवर्तम थ्रू सुपर इम्पोजिशन In the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says, "Abandoning all dharmas, come to me, the One, for refuge. I shall absolve you from all sins. Do not despair." 1866. When the word dharma is translated as religion, it may sound like all religions are being derided. But if we stick to the strict philosophical meaning of dharma, as the principle of becoming, and contrast it with Brahma. the principle of unchanging beingness we get a deeper and wider meaning in the atmopadesh satakam narayana guru speaks of the difference between intuitive knowledge and discursive knowledge in verse 36 the guru says the power of knowledge is endless the end of all this can be marked as sameness and the other thus in this way there are two divisions in this merging the other with sameness one should remain awake to that clear state of being the above two verses are essentially of the same meaning what is seen as the many are the modifications of the one here a question arises does the one transform itself into the many or is it only seen as the many when we perceive the external world with our eyes it assumes the qualities of having form and color these are the visual images of what is seen we do not know whether the external world has the forms exactly as we see them or has the colors it seems we have after all our visible world results from the impact of light and that light appears to us as objects the fact that we see objects does not alter the substantial reality of light that is why the guru qualifies the world as existing as eidetic vivartam and not a real transformation of any substance as such seeing light of a certain frequency of vibration as red belongs to two forms of dharma the psychobiochemistry of the brain is such that the quality of red arises when the impact of light on it is of a certain quantum this is the dharma of the operational nature of the brain light has the dharma of having varying frequencies these two become contributory factors in producing the joint effect of a red color in a visualized object or patch of color in either case we are not seeing the thing in which these dharmas are believed to inhere instead we are calling to our mind the thing in itself by combining two sets of dharma This act of combination or composition of dharma is derived from two poles the faculty of perception and the object of perception this accounts for the 
act of seeing, which is a unit in the process of becoming. What is said of visual imagery here is also true of the other four sensory experiences we have. It is obvious that we are making two superimpositions. A superimposition of the property of sense organs, indriya dharma, and the property of the object of perception, vishaya dharma. In fact, neither this sense faculty nor the light undergo any substantial change. If they do change, such as milk turning into curd, then we could have treated the example as a case of parinama, evolution. In parinama, one thing changes into another, both formally and qualitatively. Qualitative monists, such as the followers of Ramanuja and categorists of the process of actualization, such as the followers of Madhva, both give priority to dharma as an absolute necessity before relating oneself to Brahma, the absolute. This is evident in their respective interpretations of the first aphorism of Badrayana's Brahma Sutra. The Sutra says, Athato Brahma Jignasa, then therefore the inquiry into absolute. The word then is interpreted by Ramanuja as after having understood dharma. Dharma jignasa antaram brahma jignasa. Shankara wrote an elaborate commentary on this aphorism as if he anticipated that somebody at some time would make such an interpretation. He categorically announced that it is unnecessary to be disciplined in the karmakanda of the Vedas, that is the ritual portion, in order to become endowed with the realization of the Absolute as recorded in the history of Indian philosophy. There exists a polemic between those who emphasize dharma as a prerequisite to know Brahma and those who abandon this aspect, treating it as only incidental. The first group is called Parinamavadin, evolutionists, and the second are those who support the view that the phenomenal world is only a superimposition. Here in the Asatya Darshana, Narayana Guru supports the theory of superimposition, describing it as Indrajalena Vidyate. We have already seen that the mind which makes ensembles out of sensory data can excel the performance of any magician. If we see three points placed in an irregular pattern, the mind will interpret this as being a triangle. In actuality, there is no triangle there, but the mind cannot escape the temptation of making an ensemble out of it. Taken in the sense, the whole world is a continual effect of the ceaseless composition of the creative mind, like the performance of a magician. All this comes under the sway of dharma. Our performances vary when we adhere to dharma, because it has the blinding effect of veiling from us the innate oneness of the self, or in its totality of what we call Brahma. In his Advaita Deepika, Narayana Guru comments on the fact that the reality of the thread loses itself in the cloth, as does the water in the waves. And so the reality of Brahma is lost in the imaginary mirage of the phenomenal universe. The Guru is now preparing us for the next darshana, which is on Maya. From the present verse, he is leading us towards this important concept. Brahma here is to be thought of as Brahman, and not as the 
creator god brahma garland of mystical visions verse number 7 this self like milk that turns does not attain to another form therefore the whole universe as if created by indra's magic exists as an eidetic presentiment guru says don't think there is anything really changing true change must be irreversible like milk turning to curd otherwise it is not change but supposition or superimposition guru says that the projection and apparent evolution of the world is not real the primordial existence subsistence and value satchitananda is the ground which gives rise to so many illusions or superimpositions but what exists throughout is unchanging there is no transformation of water sky or cotton for them to appear as wave blue or cloth there is only the transference of one gestalt of qualities to another gestalt at every level the same unchanging reality is carried over within the game of science laboratory experiments have their own logic and frame of reference dream has a logic which we accept in the dream and is not relevant in our waking state even in a dream we can sometimes verify that we are not dreaming the verification is valid as a dream verification just as a dream verifier disappears when i wake up our inner scientist disappears when we wake up to the supreme state of pure consciousness garland of vision of satya darshana verse 7 atma as with milk curdling does not undergo transformation substance wise everything therefore seems to exist because of illusory projection alone as though created by a grand magic performance so there it is clear that substance wise there is no transformation so everything seems to exist because of illusory projection alone there is a adhyarupa projections that that are done which are illusory the conclusion we have come from the speculations done so far in this chapter is this much everything apparent is a willful imagination sankalpa of mind manas the mind that so wills has no existence of its own therefore everything perceived as forming the world is simply unreal asatya still the feeling we have of the existing world does not just vanish with this intellectual conviction something that exists in our feeling or imagination only is called pratibhasa in vedanta the word meaning illusory appearance like water seen in a mirage this illusory appearance of the world has atma for its substratum how does this illusory appearance emerge in the atma substratum this is the point meditated on in the present verse how does the appearance of individual entities that are many arise in the one reality this has been a question that has tormented the minds of thinking men ever since they discriminated appearance from reality each school of thought has tried to answer the question in its own way adhering fully to their respective ontological concepts methodology and axiology the answer of indian thinkers could be classified into two 
the theory of evolution, Parinamavada, and the theory of illusory appearances, Vivartavada. So these are the two schools of thought, the Parinamavada. I think Sankhya believes in Parinamavada, and Vedanta goes to Vivartavada. The process in which the causal substance undergoes irreversible intrinsic change to assume the form of an effect is known as Parinama, evolution. Milk curdling, for example, is a Parinama. The content of milk undergoes total change to become curd, and curd can never be brought back to the milk form. Similarly, when Atma, the causal substance, is thought of as undergoing basic change to appear as the world, the theory is known as Parinamavada, the theory of evolution. Certain Upanishadic texts, for instance, depict pictures interpretable as Parinama when they say that from Atma emerge space, Akasha, from space, air, Vayu, from air, fire, Agni, and from fire, water, up, from water, earth, Prithvi, from earth, vegetation, Oshadhyaya, from vegetation, food, Annam, and from food, living beings. Though some Vedantins treat this creation picture as involving evolution, strict non-dualists, Advaitins, treat this as a portrayal of a hierarchy of apparent forms, ranging from the most subtle to the most gross. It indirectly admits also that cause is always subtler and effect grosser. An evolution-like picture of creation depicted in the Bhagavad Gita is as follows. From food emerge all beings. From rain emerges food. From yajna, fire sacrifice, arises rain. From actions, karma, arises yajna. From Brahma, the creator, arises actions. And from the imperishable, arises Brahma. 3, 14, and 16. Taken separately, these lines sound like supporting the theory of evolution. But seen as forming part of a whole section, it will become evident that these words show only how something becomes the cause of something else as part of the overall rolling on of the wheel of nature, Prakriti. On the other hand, Krishna, while describing how reality and the world are related to each other, clearly says, the entire world is pervaded by me, the indistinct reality. Maya tatam idam jagat avyakta murtina. 9.4 Sankhya is the one school of Indian philosophy that bases itself on the evolution theory. The reality according to this school is twofold, Purusha and Prakriti, or person and nature. The former is unchanging pure consciousness, but the latter always evolves into 24 tattvas, basic categories, and is changeful. This evolution results in the ever-changing appearance and disappearance of everything in nature. The Sankhya school being very sympathetic and rationalistic, Many of its basic tenets have been adopted to Vedanta. For example, all the 24 tattvas became acceptable to Vedanta, though in a slightly revised sense. Vedanta does not treat Prakriti as an inert reality existing on its own and the 24 tattvas as its evolutes. On the contrary, Brahman or Atman alone is counted as real and all the 24 tattvas constituting the illusory appearance, gradable from the most subtle to the most gross, 
are superimposed on Brahman, owing to its own Maya power. This argument of Vedantins is known as Vivartavada, the theory of superimposed illusory appearances. According to this argument, the causal substance, while itself undergoing no intrinsic change, appears as all the effects, that is, the apparent world. This argument is clarified with the help of an example. A piece of rope seen at twilight may appear to be a snake, making you frightened. Not seeing the real rope and seeing the unreal snake as real do not make any intrinsic change in what really exists there. It always remains a piece of rope. It is the wrong perception of the observer that the rope appeared as a snake. The unreal snake appearance is thought of as vivarta on the real rope. Similar is the perceiving of the apparent world in the really existing Brahman or Atman, affected by Maya. Narayana Guru also following the line of thought of Shankara, the propounder of the Advaita school of Vedanta, admits this vivartavada and rejects the theory of evolution, as is evident from many references to it in his philosophical works. How do the illusory appearances emerge in the one absolute reality or Atman? The answer is, it is like a grand magic show. A magician makes his spectators see certain non-existing phenomena. Similar is the way the self makes itself appear as the unreal world. Is this a sufficient explanation? Of course, this is not a logical explanation. Yet the analogy of magic makes it clear how an element of mystery inheres what we are trying to understand. Our minds, in a way, are so conditioned that only logical explanations based on analysis satisfy us when trying to understand something. In philosophy too, we attempt our best to represent reality in a logical way. Most of the philosophers of the West think with a mind conditioned by the preconceived notions that philosophical thinking means logical reasoning about what is ultimately real. Such a prejudice has never corrupted the Indian thinkers. They do not hesitate to declare openly that the reality as a whole is a great mystery. Their goal has never been arriving at a reasonable conclusion about what is real, but to directly and intuitively perceive their own inseparable oneness with what they are searching for and to make life meaningful by realizing their identity with the meaningfulness of the total existence. Such is the ultimate goal of Indian thinkers, particularly of Vedantins. They therefore have no reluctance to declare as part of their scientific thinking, all this is a magic-like mystery. How could any recognized valid means of knowledge help us to know this? Ineffable and unthinkable indeed is this, and so on. The scientific term Vedanta prefers to give to this seemingly unscientific aspect is Maya. Therefore, the next verse is centered around the concept of Maya. Diditi Asatya Darsharam, verse number 7. Atmanakshiravad yati rupantaram atho akhilam vivartam indrajalena vidyate nirmitam yatha. This self, unlike milk that turns, does not attain to another form. Therefore, the whole universe, as if created, 
by Indra's magic exists as an eidetic presentiment. Word meaning, Atma, the self, Kshiravat, unlike milk, Rupa Antaram, to another form, Nayati, does not attain, Ataha, therefore, Akhilam, the whole universe, Yatha Indrajalena Nirmitam, as if created by Indra's magic, Vivartam Vidyate, exists as an eidetic presentiment, that is, being non-existent, it appears as existent. Commentary. The self is something that remains changeless and is without the states of birth, being, growth, transformation, decrease or destruction. Unlike milk that goes sour and changes into curds or buttermilk, the self does not change, taking the form of the world. Because it is not possible for even an atom to be outside the self. If one asks how this marvelous visible world originated, and how it came about, and on what basis it is established, the reply is that it exists in the self, in the form of an eidetic presentiment, vivarta. The things produced by the magician do not really exist. In the same way, this world is really non-existent, that is, it is false. Integrated Science of the Absolute Preliminaries, Chapter 28, A Structural Model with Absolute Status Already in Use, Continuation. For our purposes of a basic model, all the actual colors qualitatively brought into use in this color solid need not be kept in mind. We are interested only in the pure relational aspects, giving coherence to any natural group of specific qualitative factors. What applies to color relations must apply also to sound qualities. The possible colors constitute the most concrete and natural of any such a group. The model succeeds in relating them coherently and systematically at once, without any duality as between percepts and concepts, will thus have a unique status of its own. Such a status can even be said to be absolute, as we shall presently clarify. What works in the limited field of possible colors can be extrapolated and applied to other sets or qualities in fields further and further removed indefinitely, and they can also be conversely thought of in terms of interpolation. This is permissible according to mathematical usage. The possibility of extending the structure of the color solid mentioned above in the appreciation of sets of values that enter in integrated fashion into human affairs when pushed one step further into the domain of color harmony and appreciation is masterfully presented by Kant in his observations on the feeling of the beautiful and sublime. In this work we find him tacitly adopting the same frame of reference for bringing many items of value under this double heading. There is a further and more important use of the same structural analysis, which can be used in matching correctly corresponding words representing shades, tints, depths, saturations, hues, etc., as between German, as in Kant's case, and any other language. Value appreciations must necessarily have the same words or corresponding terms 
representing them in all dictionaries with an intrinsic or extrinsic one-to-one -one correspondence. Natural clusters of families of words that we have suggested elsewhere for a non-alphabetically conceived dictionary can more easily be admitted as practicable in the light of Kant's interesting work belonging to his pre-critique period. We have alluded to the absolutist status of this structure. This is already evident in the qualitative and highly abstract, wholesome, universal or general character of this structure, which can refer to any or all bodies, big or small, every time or to any point in the universe. One has only to place oneself sympathetically, as we have said before, at the core of the situation required by both Vedantic and Bergsonian metaphysics. The top limit will supplement the bottom limit by gentle gradations without vertical contradiction, but with a pure continuity at its core. At the gray point, at the center between the two poles of the vertical axis, there is the meeting of space and time factors fully articulated and referring to perceptual or conceptual factors of physics and metaphysics respectively. Paradox, which is what hides the full view of the absolute, can thus be structurally analyzed and by this very act made to fall, revealing the fully absolutist status represented by the central point of origin at once of both the visible and invisible aspects of truth. Each cone has a third dimension facing opposite ways from the point of origin and extending upward to the world of the Logos and downward into the world of the Nous. The double world of two dictionaries made up of concepts and their corresponding percepts is thus fully covered. Color space reveals the character of this third <coughs> dimension sufficiently. The following description of the color solid by W. M. Judd, found in Collier's Encyclopedia, is fully explanatory in this matter. Quotation. Color harmony results from the juxtaposition of colors, which are selected according to an orderly plan, which can be recognized and emotionally appreciated. Application of this principle requires a consideration of uniformly scaled color space, a tri-dimensional array of points, one for each color, so arranged that equally contrasting color pairs are separated by pairs of points equally distant. The vertical dimension of color space is lightness. Hue is represented by an angle about the central vertical axis, black through gray to white and saturation by distance from any regular path in the color solid, constituting an orderly selection, and particularly if chosen at regular spacings along this path, may be quite harmonious." End of quote. Color harmony and other relationships can all be thought of together with the help of this model. It is also possible to think of groups or families of other concepts or percepts into which all words in any dictionary can be arranged as antonym and synonym trees, facing both ways like twin structures after the model named after Porphyry. Actual practice has to work out further details in this new kind of non-alphabetical 
but more organically conceived double dictionary possible in any language. This has already been partially adopted in both the Sanskrit Amarakosha and in Rajat's Thesaurus. It is interesting to note that in the Svetasvatara Upanishad 4.1, we also find a similar reference to something resembling a color solid. The one who himself without color, by the manifold application of his power, Shakti, Yoga, distributes many colors in his hidden purpose and into whom its ends and its beginnings and the whole world dissolves. He is God, Deva. May he endow us with clear intellect. Here our aim is to show how physics and metaphysics can have a common two-sided structural model. As long as the color solid model serves us adequately for all our purposes of unifying and integrating linguistic elements so as to fix their connotations or denotations with certitude, we have no valid reason to disadopt this model waiting as it were like a foundling child to be adopted. Since the world of the dictionary covers normally all concepts with their corresponding percepts with which any group of human beings might be interested in at any given time, this color solid may be considered as covering the whole of significant human discourse anytime or anywhere.